This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Leadership Transformation Platform, Multiplying Authentic Leaders, Moving Society. I'm Adrian Grunewald. Always a pleasure and privilege to be with you. The old man is not here, is he? Um, but we've got some magnificent guests here discussing a super important topic for our country. And, um, and I'm, I'm excited to, to, to do this. Uh, go to leadershipplatform.com for all things leadership. One word, two Ps in the middle. And this is your weekly leadership masterclass. Every Monday, 12 to 1, join us. Take early lunch. And we are pretty confident you will feel empowered as a leader for the rest of that week, at least. We're talking about a national leadership standard and pledge for South Africa. And I've seen it evolve a little bit um, from the side, uh, also involved on a specific day that, that a lot of the legwork was done. But uh, some of the people driving it are with us, sitting at the South African Board of People Practices offices. I'm sitting at my home here in the bush, and with the help of technology, we're putting the show together so that you can find out about this wonderful initiative. With me to discuss the journey and the outcome is Marius Mayer, CEO of SABPP, that's the South African Board for People Practices, and he's COO at Kolani Mawande from SABPP as well, and then Professor Theo Feltzman, University of Johannesburg, and uh, he's no stranger to, to our weekly leadership masterclass. So, gentlemen, it's really great to be with you. Thank you for joining me. All right. So, let's try and replicate this journey you've been on. I know it's almost impossible if you weren't on the field playing the game. It's it, Although sometimes people in the audience are more emotionally involved than the players. But, you know, a lot of people listening to this now and in the future will not have necessarily been part of the process, although it's been a fairly comprehensive journey. Um, so, let's try and replicate it. Before we go there, we have a leadership standard document, standards document, and then we have a pledge in front of us today. And towards the end, we'll read the pledge, the document, the standards of our document might be a bit long. But before we look at the journey, gents, of how we got to this point, could you just let's talk about why we need it? Why do we need a standards document for, shall we say, South Africa and then a pledge? Marius, maybe start with you, then we jump to Polani, and then we go to, to Theo. Okay, thank you, Adrian. Um, yes, um, we've been in contact with companies and organizations over the last couple of years, and wherever we go, people complain about leadership. Whether it's a school or a factory or a mine or a municipality, um, there just seem to be a lack of clarity about what good leadership is, um, is all about. So the whole idea was to be able to say, let's guide leaders with proper guidelines uh, that will make it easier for them to really understand what good leadership practice is, is all about. And admittedly, in defense of, le of leaders, we live in, a, in extremely difficult times. Uncertainty, turbulence, things change every five minutes. The moment you think you're on top of your game, tomorrow there's a new product or new trend, and you have to adapt. So leaders really face a very difficult situation. Um, so the whole idea about this project was to be able to say, let's, let's develop guidelines that will make it easier for leaders to understand how they should be performing in terms of leadership um, practices. Um, if, you, if you read newspapers, um, the media talks about a leadership crisis. And our idea was to be able to say, but if the leadership crisis continues, then organizations and their people will suffer, and eventually countries and regions will suffer. So the whole idea was, was to say, let's, let's support leaders with clear guidelines on how we can make leadership better. Okay, so before you hand to Polani there, uh, it's interesting what you say, complaints about leadership. Uh, are you going to uh, – I also go all over the place, like, like you, of course, to organizations, schools – we speak to politicians. When we say complaints about leadership, are people a little bit fed up, uh, disappointed? Uh, there's another word I'm looking for. Um, unhappy, of course. Frustrated, uh, angry, apathy. You know, frustrated, angry, because leadership is, collectively speaking, not coming to the party. You know, things are... So you go to a school in an under-resourced area that's performing well, and then you go to a school around the corner in the same area that's just absolutely useless. And the one differentiator is a great principle or great leadership. And so you look at organizations, same thing. Although the good examples are becoming few and far between, unfortunately, it seems. Although maybe not. But you get what I'm saying. Is that what you're saying when you say complaints? Absolutely. Um, 
there's just almost a loss of faith in leadership. Mm. People are, are saying that we know this organization needs to go somewhere in the future, but we don't trust our leaders anymore. We, we don't believe our leaders are going in the right direction. Um, and even if an organization was good in the, in the year 2010, now, seven, eight years later, people may say, but this organization is now going in the wrong direction because of leadership. Um, as you indicated, you can take any school that's underperforming um, and you say, but what's the reason why the school is underperforming? And in 99% of cases, it will be the quality of the principal. And exactly the same thing will apply in a factory or minor municipality. Uh, if I may come in here, uh, uh, Adrian, I think it's a, a sense of betrayal. They feel betrayed. They think that leadership uh, is only in the game for themselves, to look after their own interests or those that they, they protect, so to speak, and they, they bribe and so on. So uh, we're on the point, I believe, of a leaderless revolution, which we've seen a couple of places already. Sure. Yeah, I, that's kind of the heartbeat that I pick up. Tolani, your views on why we need the standards document and also the pledge? Um, uh, Adrian, I think uh, there's something that is very critical that uh, we need just to emphasize. Um, people are, uh, will think that maybe we are being unfair on the leadership and say, I mean, every problem is coming from the leaders. I mean, it could be the economy, it could be uh, lack of markets and, and all the other kind of things. But uh, um, as SAPPP, what we then looked at was to say uh, we are a people organization, people practice organization. So uh, in 2013, back then, we said then let us start with HR standards. In other words, let's make sure that our own professionals, uh, their house is in order before we can pinpoint problems at anybody else. Because can you imagine if you go to your CEO and, the, and you complain about the leadership and then he says, no, but the payroll isn't even done right. I mean, this is not done right. So uh, 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 for us, we said, okay, there's a problem on people. And first, let's start with the HR standards. That's what we launched in 2013. Then we, we moved on now to say, now that we know that our house is in in order, or we know that things are, but there's still problems. So the problem now can only be in leadership. And that is why really uh, um, we simply saying there's need for a leadership standard there. I mean, look, if you look at it from a political point of view, you look at uh, ethics, ethical point of view across the country, it's appalling. And all we simply saying, then we need a minimum standard. Look, a company can still go down with a good leader, but at least we will have a clear conscience to say we have done everything on our part to say if this thing fails we have done everything but right now I don't think we are in a position where we can say um, even our country as, uh, as it is we can't say the problem is the economy I just think we will be able to say categorically clear that our problem is in leadership that is why we need this standard Yeah, uh, uh, to put a more generic perspective on it uh, Adrian I'm, f I'm firmly of the conviction um, is, is that we're facing a, a leadership crisis worldwide uh, the world has moved on, whether you talk about the VUCA world or a VICAS world, uh, it is the world has become a different place. And I think part of the frustration and betrayal is, is uh, I would describe it attributed to five reasons why uh, people are really angry at leadership. The first is they believe that leaders are unable to handle the new world. They, they, they've reached, so to speak, they sell by date. And they're applying still old recipes to a new world. The second one, that leaders have, have don't know how to actually deal with the challenges and the demands and the requirements of the new world. So they send, they've dumbed down. I call them, they've become unintelligent for the new world. The third one is we are just seeing immature leadership. Uh, people that can't move beyond their own interest to serve the common good. Uh, and, and have a passion and a calling for leadership. The fourth one, unethical leaders all over the show, uh, that, that don't subscribe to what are generally accepted, uh, ethical, uh, uh, um, standards and norms. And the final one is toxic leaders, which are really a, a, a really disturbing trend that's emerging. Leadership that go for, that actually take down people, demean them, and are manipulative, uh, self-love and they do their own thing for their own reasons okay so i mean i i think we can talk about the need for leadership in corporate we've had some brilliant uh standout organizations um prove that good leadership or bad leadership can even bring bring them down uh, i mean we 
we also may be, have a more difficult economic environment. We may have a, a more difficult um, social environment, whatever we want to say. But but as long as there are pockets of excellence that that emerge, it shows that good leadership is there's always space for good leadership. Uh, you know, it's it's there's also always space for blame, and usually it's the bad leaders that blame. So. The other thing on my mind, gentlemen, is we don't have standard or we have standards for a lot of professions. Uh, there's almost a, a code of practice for medical profession. As you say, now you've got a standard practice for HR profession. We've got for, I'm sure for lawyers, you've got some kind of code and, 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 and a lot of professions. But when it comes to leadership, we somehow just say, go forth and lead. And, and, and we don't put a proper standard there that, that leaders can abide by. And then maybe stand up, raise the hand and say, um, I pledge the following. So is that also why we need this? We need to – we don't want to take the individuality or the uniqueness out of a leader or leadership, but, but some kind of standard, my goodness, so that we can hold leaders accountable for their leadership. Marius? Um, absolutely, Arjan. Um, when we launched the standard, Professor Edward Kieswetter from the Vinci Institute made a very profound statement. He said there's too much discretion in leadership. In other words, anything goes. You, you wake up in the morning, you decide what you're going to do. Whether it's, it, it's damaging your team, your stakeholders, or the environment, you do what you want to do. And I think that's the reason why the standard is needed, um, to give a clear direction of what good leadership is about. Because currently um, those standards are not available. And the reality, those professions that you've just mentioned, um, law, engineering, and all the others, even in those positions, engineers report to managers. Now, how can an engineer as a professional report to a person who does not have any qualifications or any real knowledge of, of leadership? And we are guilty of it. You, in the school, you take the best biology teacher, you make him the school principal. He may know everything about biology, but he's not necessarily the, the best person to lead the school. And you lose a good biology teacher also in the process. So the, the idea is to replicate leaders as well because we do have pockets of excellence. But how do we replicate and multiply leaders so that we've got thousands of good leaders taking their organizations, their industry and society forward? I think if I can come in here, uh, Maris as well, I think this is such a major step by the board because you've referred to that and Edward Kiesvetter also made that point at the launch of the standards. All professionals, engineering, medical doctors, uh, engineers have standards, auditors have standards. And his point was, and I think he's 100 percent spot on, that leadership must also be regarded, uh, be seen as a profession. And hence the need for standards if you're a profession which you can be held accountable to. And the, the standards must be principles. It's not that you're now going to clone leaders, but at least they know what, the, can I call it, the rules of the road it would be to drive on the road. And they can be held accountable against that. Okay, so, so let's look at the process. Maybe Marius and Polani can take us through the process of how we got here because it was a very extensive journey. No process is perfect. One can go for 50 years if you wanted to on some, but one must get to a certain point where you say, right, this is the start, this is the base. Um, but, but let's just, before we go there, um, close down the conversation. There is a huge trust deficit between leadership, collectively speaking, and followers in the world. It's almost like that bridge between leaders and followers has been broken, and, and some may argue it's irreparable. But we're saying we haven't lost hope. And, and that's, in my mind, why we need a certain authentic leader who abides by certain standards so that that trust can be built back up. Uh, this morning, I had a bit of a back and forth with uh, former minister, Derek Arnakum, because I referred to an article written in the Huff Huffington Post where the, the author says Cyril Ramaphosa has veered off in the direction of, of standing for principle, and it's a huge gamble, he says. And my response was, oh, so standing for principle has become a gamble in our society. <laughs> you know, it, just, it, just, it just hit me there that in the past we'd say, well, those are the men and women who stand out and we follow them. And then, you know, Derek Hanakom came back and said, well, what will happen is Sir Ramaphosa will be chosen. He'll choose good men and women around him and they will restore the trust. And I said, well, we, the tweet that I'll respond with, and I haven't yet, is I certainly hope that, that we can restore that trust. But the work begins because it's close to irreparable in many respects. People are feeling we don't need leaders. We lead ourselves, man. 
And if we don't like them, we, we unite via social media. We've got a voice and we kick them out. So if leaders don't come to the party here and start um, consciously and consistently leading effectively according to a standard, we have a huge problem on our hands. And I think we all recognize that. We're not talking up something that doesn't exist. Uh, our country happens to be a good example of so many things. It's a good example of successful leadership, but man, it's also a good example of the worst kind of leadership. So, um, Theo, I think you want to say something, and then let's just go to that process of how you got to this point, and then I want us to get into a little bit of the meat. What is the standard document about and the pledge, and later on we'll read the pledge. Okay. Okay. Um, Are we going to go into the process? Go for it, Kalani. Yeah. You know, uh, there's never a perfect process. I mean, there will be somebody who will always complain and say, maybe we should have done it this way or, but uh, we needed to start. I think that is the most important thing that we needed to start the process. And uh, we are in no way saying this is the perfect process. We, we are going to be improving it as we go. And um, so the first thing obviously was to do some consultations and doing some planning on our own and obviously uh, because this was not going to be just for SAPPP and SAPPP members, it was just going to be for the whole country. But uh, so we, we did a stakeholder analysis and realized to say who do we also need to consult? So we consulted quite a number of people um, and obviously you if you just go into the process with nothing, it will take forever to come out with something. So we had to draft a, 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 a framework, a standard framework that we are going to use to say uh, and then come the 14th of September we gathered um, quite a number of stakeholders from uh, different uh, uh, areas and uh, we came together and said okay here is a uh, what we think we should be doing, what do you think? So they then got into groups and worked it out and probably changed quite a lot of things. And I mean, at least so that everybody can feel that they own the process rather than to say it's an SAPPP process. And so after the 14th of September, we took all those contributions and sat down and put together into a one proper document. And then we sent it back to uh, the people concerned, and we also sent it to different institutions so that uh, um, everybody can feel, say, okay, come up with comments. And then ultimately on the 26th of October, we then launched this uh, leadership standard that uh, Maras will, add, uh, <clears throat> I'm delegating, uh, Maras will then uh, go into detail and to tell us about what it's all about. But uh, um, after the 26th, um, um, we then say now we need to start uh, the awareness, Collaboration and sharing, and um, I mean, right now this morning we're just checking that we don't even have one copy left because then it tells us tells you that uh, we have. I mean, we have been trying to send it to as many people as possible, both the hard copies and electronic copies. And uh, um, the last thing, obviously, now is then is to implement. And for me, that is the most important stage. I mean, it's just like someone can say the government has got good policies, they've got good things, but if those things are just kept in a cupboard, they have no meaning. So for for me, the most important thing is now to say let's start living the standards so i mean i think we created the right vibe we created the right uh, noise around so that uh, people can start to talk about it and we are seeing this not as an event but as a journey and obviously as we go we might we might get comments and contribution to update or to improve or to change some of the items in there although that uh, maris is going to go on to them but uh, ultimately all i am trying to put across here is that uh, we really consulted as much as possible and some people might not have attended but they brought in their comments and some people i mean in future will say no we were never consulted i mean that would be possible but we tried by all means to accommodate as many people from government from private sector from the npo so that nobody can feel left out in this national standard thank you yeah so so um uh, Marius, before you grab there, I, I was there in the, on the September day where, where all those groups consulted and one of the things I was looking out for was that it's not just a bunch of HR people sitting there and thrashing out this this, this uh, very important standards document, which I was, I'm was i pleased to say it wasn't. You had people from government, you had people from NGOs, you had people from corporate, uh, all sorts of individuals in that hall full, full of um, individuals thrashing out various aspects of that framework um so so yeah I, I, let me just um confirm that part 
And then, as you say, following that, a lot of things still happen. Marius, do you want to add to what Kulani shared? Yes, if I can just add to that, I think the whole point about the multi-stakeholder um, approach is very important. Um, just imagine around one table, there you have a cell phone company, a bank, a municipality, a non-profit organization, all of these people sitting together and agree collectively on what is good leadership about. Because people have got also different opinions and perspectives. But we've managed to incorporate all those ideas and to say that ultimately a leader is a leader. And what are those absolutely key practices that any person would like to see um, from a leader to ensure that leadership is, um, is effective? Okay. Uh, just quickly, you must also tell us about the launch. Um, did it go well? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't able to be there, unfortunately. Are you happy with the launch? Yes, the launch was a, was a big success. Um, we, we first had a couple of keynote speakers, um, former finance minister Klantlan Nene um, provide, and Professor Kiswete providing some context. And then um, after, after that, um, we showcased um, the final product of the first session. Um, as the first version of the leadership um, standard, um, followed by also a brainstorming on the action plan. Because the message is still leadership does not belong to one person. All of us individually and collectively needs to make it work. So the the action plan was brainstorming. Perhaps you want to say more about that. We facilitated that process of the action plan for us also be able to say, now that we've got the standard, it does not help us to have a nice document and no one is applying it. Surely the intention is for us to improve our leadership practices and to support one another um, as part of a leadership community to take it forward. Try certain ideas at your organization, engage with more stakeholders, and, and start replicating successes because there are already successes that we would like to replicate and say um, all leaders must become involved and really take it to a new level of significance. I think, Adrian, uh, I think you want to talk to us to the process later of implementation. But you know the beauty for me of the standards are, I recently did, about 18 months back, I did a Google search on uh, using the word leadership as the, as the search term. I arrived at 650 million hits. Now, I think the beauty of the standards is and, and it's very courageous to say we want to really distill the essence from the grassroots level up what leadership is all about into a standard that can act as a guide. And I think that's what these are. They're guidelines. Uh, it's not a recipe, put so much of this together with so much of that in order to bake the chocolate cake. It's about these are the guidelines. Can I return to that for the rules of the road? And that's the beauty for me of the standards. Giving in one place the essential parts, the Pareto principle of the 20%, if you get that right, we'll do 80% of the job. Okay, before we get to implementation, all those nice things, because we can have a nice chat about that, I, I, I want you to take us into the meat of the standards document. What is inside it? What, what will people see when they read it, when they open it? What will CEOs, HR execs, uh, politicians, whoever? What are they going to see in there? Okay, the, um, the document starts, um, of course, with a background, just to explain the context, um, very similar to the way we've discussed it now. Um, and then we have created just one picture um, that summarizes the whole standard illustration. And in essence, it, it covers four very basic principles that leaders must get right in terms of having, first of all, a clear leadership philosophy. So we're challenging individual leaders and, and teams to be able to say, what do you believe in as a leader, as part of your leadership um, philosophy? Um, once you have that, you set a certain tone at the top. What do you want to achieve? What are the things that you, the type of environment you want to create in the organization? From that, you, you need to create an organization culture to see what culture do you want in organization to, to ensure that you are uh, affected. Like you said earlier about the, the importance of ethics. You're not going to create an ethical organization if you don't have an ethical culture, but the leaders must drive and, and ensure those things are effective. And lastly, surely you don't form an organization for the fun of it. You want to achieve certain outcomes. There's a reason why a nonprofit organization or a government department or a private business is in existence. Achieving your purpose, you want to achieve certain outcomes, whether it's profits or service delivery. Um, so those four um, becomes almost the outer ring of the model to be able to, to, to say those elements must be in place for you to have those leadership conversations. We also want to challenge um, leadership teams to say you must have leadership conversations. 
We don't believe there are real leadership conversations. It's always the agenda and the five goals and what you want to achieve and serving the customers. But you never, as a leadership team, collectively say, but how well have we performed as a leadership team? What are the things we're struggling with? Did we make certain mistakes? Are there better opportunities that we're currently missing out on? So I think those four um, principles then guide uh, the whole models. And then what we've done after that, we said there are five key elements what every single leader um, should be able um, to to apply effectively. And the very first one is, and I think we've seen so many books and articles for for um, a number of decades about the vision. But uh, And, of course, leadership always starts with a vision, but I think where leaders have failed was, and this is why we selected the word, instilling a vision. Sometimes the top leader has the vision, and it's only in his head. No one else really feels anything about the vision because it's the head of the leader. You must be able to instill it to every single person in the organization and get other people to collaborate as far as the vision is, um, is, is concerned. So that was the first one. The second one is once you have a picture of what you want to be able to do, surely you want to deliver um, results that will create value for the organization and its stakeholders. Um, and there we've provided some guidelines in terms of how do you drive the product, the service that your organization, because that's the purpose um, of, of, of your organization. And so the second one is value, is driving value. Dri- and delivering results which create value. Yeah. And very okay. often, and this is the reason why, for instance, when a, when a company produces its annual report, Surely the stakeholders want to go back and say, but this company achieved certain things in the, in, in the year, but did they really add value to society? And maybe the company was successful in 2015, but are they still effective in 2017? You must be able to show value continuously um, um, for your um, stakeholders. And the same would apply to a government department who needs to, to do um, so, um, service delivery. I mean, if the tax collector fails to collect tax, then surely the organization is failing. And the same would apply to a school um, that, is, that is underperforming. So that was the second one, delivering results which create um, value. Because very often people say, but this person is a leader, but he doesn't really add value. So that ability to steer the process of, of service delivery or product delivery that will show um, um, profits or results is, is absolutely key. Um, after that, we said it's critical to have values um, and, to li- and to live and instill those values in the organization. So the leader as well as the leadership team must agree on what those values are. And very often, I think in most companies, you can walk into the office, you'll see there are certain values, but very often the values are only on the wall. And people say these are our five values, and sometimes it even forms an acronym, and people know it, but it, whether it's lived is another story. Or sometimes you make a um, – in your board, you make a management decision that's contrary to the, to the values. And I think that's the type of, of approach and ethics and innovation and all the good values that a company should have um, should be very visible. I mean, you can't say customer service is a value, but then you lie to your customers um, or things – or the checks in the post, those type of things that we are used to um, in the past. Um, and then fourthly, but very important, and, and as far as the model is concerned, probably one of the most important issues is the ability to influence your people. Um, it does not help me to have the most fantastic vision, but I can't take a thousand employees or stakeholders with me to achieve that particular um, vision. I need to be able to to influence um, people. So working with your teams, dealing with people issues, um, showing people the right um, direction, um, motivating your, your, your team, dealing with uh, taking through difficult um, times. I mean, like Kulani said earlier, the economy is not as good as, um, as it should be, but leaders can take that and make an excuse and say, sorry, we could not perform because the economy is bad. Or you can say, but as, for us as a leadership team, we need to step up. And despite the bad economy, we're going to do certain things by taking my team with me on a new direction, giving them hope, inspiration to really move forward. Because even today with the bad economy, there are some some companies really performing exceptionally well, despite the um, situation um, around us. And then lastly, and interesting, in our feedback and stakeholder engagement, um, this one attracted the most intention, um, which is reflecting for improvement. I would like to, to say on that particular one is I don't see leaders almost standing back and say, but, and admitting in certain cases we've made mistakes. We opened, we opened a branch in a new country. We knew nothing about the country and therefore we failed. Or we've, we've taken country A, we should have taken country B. Or do we did not, we did not do our homework in order to get to that particular situation. Or as an individual leader, I made the wrong decisions. Um, and I made mistakes. 
so the challenge is to be able to say, how do you stand back and reflect? And and uh, later on, when, when Theo talks about the, the pledge, that would be my challenge as well to leaders to be able to say, almost every Friday, if you say, I had five days or six days of doing work, how successful were you these five days? Um, did you really inspire your teams? Did you really instill, what did you do about ethics or the values in the organization? Um, so that leaders are really honest with themselves and say, as a team, as well as an individual leader, we need to be able to say, we have to reflect and say, we make mistakes. We had successes. Did we really celebrate the successes we had? We had a star performer. Did we give that person recognition for, for what he or she achieved over, over a specific period? So I think there you see in a very simple way um, what the, those elements are. So that, and we also believe um, that whether you're a senior leader or middle leader or supervisor managing a call center, those principles um, – are key for you to be um, successful. Surely a person managing a call center will not think about vision the whole day. But whatever you do must be aligned to the overall vision of the organization. As a leader, you still need to inspire your, the people who are part of that particular team. Okay, so, so uh, uh, I'm not even making notes. I'm mm -hmm. not making notes. I'm just listening, and let me see if I can recap. And I'm not by no means a brilliant person. So let me recap the five elements that meet inside this leadership standard document the first one is uh, instilling a vision the second one and that's uh, that's always a, we always say that don't we leaders must must have a vision or inspire a shared vision or all those but instilling that vision the second one is um results that add value that's kind of how i see it now in my mind um very i like the comprehensiveness of that so it's not just results, but, but value to stakeholders, let's say, stakeholders in the community, to shareholders, all of them. Then values, living those values. I, I don't know what you had, but, but it's the value component, more than just hanging on the wall. Then you've got um, influencing the people so that they now follow and the hearts of the people and getting them into this whole thing. And finally, the reflection one, which I think being here in the bush is sorely lacking. Our society is not handing on a platter to us the opportunity to reflect in fact society is denying us the opportunity to reflect on myself on how i'm doing as a human being am i grounded am i rooted in in myself my values uh, and my business reflecting it on my own with my team so that's a very powerful one um so polani and theo uh, the two of you maybe just add to that that meat inside you want to add to what Marius said um, uh, Adrian, I just want to tie into that fifth one and then I want to make a general comment. I think for the power for me of reflecting for improvement, which you can, you know, we all talk about destructive innovation, the learning, the ongoing uh, learning in this changing complex world. And I think that's what the trigger there is. It's about reflective practice as a leader. And Maurice has explained it very well. But if I'm stepping back and just look at the, mo the model, so to speak, from a helicopter view, what really oppresses me, what makes it, you even use the word powerful, is firstly, it's simplicity. It's really simple. It, it takes the complexity of leadership and moves through it. You know, Einstein said the highest level of sophistication is simplicity. The second, it is uh, holistic. It gives you the key components. Uh, thirdly, for me, it is systemic which implies that these things are not five different silos, but they all act in, uh, together like the body, the kidneys, the brain, whatever. And if the companies can get these five right, also again with the Pareto principle, the 20% that will make 80% of the difference, they will see this powerful leadership multiplier effect because of the synergies. And that is really for me the good qualities that have gone into this uh, model or conceptual framework in which to actually base and hang the standards onto. Uh, I think one, way, uh, one statement that I might say just to add in there is just to say um, – we are not saying all leaders are bad. We know there could be pockets of good leadership out there. We are simply saying now every leadership uh, should be moving from just being successful to being significant. In other words, um, you you are not uh, a selfish, self-centered person who is just thinking about your success and your company, but you are looking at it significantly and say, how does that add value to the whole country as a whole? So um, it's more responsible leadership that we are, are calling for. And just one final thing, I mean, on that is just to say on 
And I'm also like you, I'm very much in love with the last one, <laughs> the the reflection. And I, I, I just think uh, that's an opportunity for leaders to even do the other four better. If you can just have time to pause and think, I mean, particularly people who, who are always said to be successful, successful, I mean, maybe you could even be more successful and more significant if only you could Take your time and go to the bush and uh, and reflect. <laughs> Polani, I, I will um, I'll send you a, a video clip that I recorded here right next to the Crocodile River where I am inviting leaders to come to me. I've been going to leaders for so long and there is a very strong case for them coming to me now because of this authentic place called the bush so that they can come and reflect and understand themselves deeper than ever before. Um, I could share the poem with you, but let's see if we have time left. So I, I, I one or two notes. You know, this thing about technical expertise. So if I look at these five components inside the leadership standards document for the world or for South Africa for now, um, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily say you've got to be proficient in your technical managerial element of leadership. So with finances and logistics or whatever you need in general as a as a as a CEO or a leader. Um, are we just assuming that's it? So if I'm Maria Ramos, I, I better get to know banking very well. But we are also saying if I'm very good at these five standards, then I will probably be able to lead in any industry, um, any environment, potentially. Or I, I seem to think there was a time that, that one could be a universal leader across boundaries, but the world has become so complex and sophisticated that in general – it's difficult for a leader to jump industry and then to lead successfully because things change so fast, technology and everything else. Just comments on that quickly. Um, yes, I think you are indeed um, correct, um, Orjan, that there are, they, they are t aspects of technical issues that is, of course, key pertaining to your particular um, industry. Uh, I mean, surely also if you work in construction, I mean, you must know your industry uh, um, and your technical management aspects are covered um, under standard element number two, delivering value. I mean, I cannot be a tax professional or tax leader if I know nothing about tax. But the point we're trying to make is, and this is a mistake a lot of supervisors are making, but super, supervisors get stuck into their field. So if I'm a tax expert, the only thing I worry about the tax, and then I get promoted to the next level, I still want to only focus on tax only. You, then you need to realize I need to stand back and let the team do those particular um, issues as well. So I think it's a combination of, of realis, really knowing your industry as well and, and from that to elevate yourself to the level of, of, of leadership. Because sometimes leadership, they want to keep on getting their hands dirty. And I think that's the message of, of the model as well, is there must be balance. If, if I reflect for five days, then there's also something wrong. Um, and South African companies like to do that in Lakotlas and Bosporadas and stuff. If I only have vision for five days, then I'm missing, I'm missing the boat because I've got products and services to deliver. So there must be balance in that. But currently we are saying to leaders that there's a, there's a lack of balance. I mean, we had a retired CEO also at, at, at one of the, at our leadership standard who said to me, now he has time to reflect. But while he was the CEO, it wasn't possible for him to get sufficient time to reflect. And that's our challenge to leaders to be able to say, have balance between those five things so that you really optimize your value and contribution as a leader in the organization. Uh, Adrian, I think also these standards and the model that underpin them actually poses a, a great uh, a challenge to our business schools and the MBAs in particular. Our MBAs that are, uh, are based on the pr pr uh, principle or the premise of preparing general management are too much still functionally orientated. I mean, these p uh, persons have to, are moving into the general management leadership space, but we're giving them functional skills. I think we, our MBAs should be completely reconceptualized. We're putting leadership in the center. 
imagine three uh, concentric circles leadership in the middle allow this this model for example this framework the next circle is the functional disciplines in organization how to synergistically apply them to the business challenges in my sector and the third circle is i'm functioning in a certain context with certain ch- challenges sustainability innovation technological uh, changes etc how do i then lead in that context our our mbas are much too much functionally orientated and not focus on leadership okay yeah I, I, I as you were sharing those five principles i did think to myself almost any leadership program these days that's supposed to equip leaders have um self-awareness in it and that's often the first module that leaders un- undergo and and then i thought well where is this in this model but it is it's it's the 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 reflection mm-hmm. element so i think there's it, it, it seems very sound um, the, the whole model or the philosophy uh, from face value on face value and, and looking at it um, from from where I sit. Any other comments on, on the meat in that document? So, so does the document then expand on each of these points, um, Marius? Um, y- yes, Arjun. What, what it does is it, it first um, – each standard has a consistent format. So it, it first gives you an outcome statement that clarifies what should you achieve with that particular um, standard element. After that, um, it gives you very clear guidelines on what you need to do. In other words, if we say instilling a vision, how should you go about doing that? We don't give the detail in terms of methodology. In other words, we don't say to you, you must do it this way. We give the statement to get you start thinking in terms of what you need to be able to to do. And then – the third part, I think, is, is absolutely key, um, where we've posed certain questions for individual leaders um, and leadership teams to be able to say, answer the following questions. Because that gives you, while the standard guides you, we also don't want to take your flexibility away. If you are mine operating in a rural area, you've got unique challenges in that operating environment where you're focused. We, we, and therefore, we say to you, apply the standard in your context. Say, what are your issues, the things you struggle with, the challenges you have, the opportunities in your, in your environment? So that it really, from that perspective, help organizations to think through these issues and to come up with your own answers to these issues. So we believe that asking those right questions will guide you also to find the solutions um, yourself um, regarding um, what you should be able to do from a leadership perspective. Okay, can you give me an example let's say under vision or under um any one of those those five just just to get a feel for us who don't have it in front of us at the moment okay let me give you an example under delivering results which create value we've asked five questions there and one example would be how do we ensure that we continue to create significant value as markets and context evolve how will we measure the value we create Okay, so taking so, you broader, hey? Ex- yeah. Exactly. Oh. So from that, I would, I would think that that would be a very interesting leadership discussion in a management meeting, for instance, for the, the teams to be able to say, but, but how do we create value? Um, and, and to what extent do, have we considered the context, the environment that has changed significantly maybe over the last year? Um, because sometimes we have very good documents and strategies and plans that were very appropriate for 1990, but the world has changed. And, and aligning to the context, I think, is absolutely key as organizations um, go forward. Okay. All right, gents, let's, um, let's have a few minutes on the implementation because I think, Polani, you were saying earlier, it was like you wanted to jump straight here, uh, understandably so. Is, so, all oh, wonderful. Well, we've gone through the, the theory investigation. We've gone through the practical um, workshopping and debating and discussing in small groups, then larger groups. We've gone to the launch. So it's all in place. It's absolutely incredible. I feel like SABBP has gone above and beyond just what you maybe were supposed to do in some ways as a body um, under your leadership, Marius. You've gone further. And, and, and maybe it's also a function of our society. Our society needs all of us to go further. If we don't go a step further than what's expected, I'm not sure we're going to get out of this toxic chaos that we find ourselves in. So let's talk a bit about the implementation. I'm interested in that workshopping you did on the on the launch day, um, just uh, take us there. 
Um, um, number one, we, we are simple saying that there, 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 there are three groups of people that we should be interested in. Number one are the current leadership. And number two are the future leaders. And number three are the, uh, people that are being led. In other words, if, uh, we get to a point where everybody has a clear understanding on the expectation of leadership. In other words, I'm, I'm looking at it from, uh, the, the followers in a, in a, in a uh, with, with a leader. So to say, what what are the expectation? What are we expecting from our leaders? And number two, we are saying from the leaders themselves. How I mean, the current leadership that we have now. How do we ensure that they start living? Uh, the standard. And then, and, and, and the third one is to say, what happens to the new or uh, upcoming leaders? Um, you, Maris earlier on gave an example of this biology, good biology teacher to say, what happens, uh, when they now move to be a principal? In other words, uh, we are also looking at the transition, management transition to say, from manage of self to manage of others. I mean, where you are so much used to be a number one, all of a sudden now you have to have other people. So we are looking at, those three groups to say um, we need to ensure that every one of them um, is very clear and understand what a leadership standard is. I mean, we might just if we just educate the leaders and educate the future leaders and forget about the followers, the danger that we run is that uh, we might get to a situation where people will have unrealistic expectations because saying there's a leadership standard, this is what we, we want to do. One of the things that we attend, that we, we did on the launch uh, was uh, I used a, a marriage scenario to say you are not going to be a, a, almost like a weekend special. In other words, you are not going to be a leader um, when it suits you. When the board is around, you are a good leader, and when everybody else is gone, uh, you go back to that. So when once people start implementing the standard, our expectation is that it parts or forms part of their DNA. This is who they are. And you can't just say today, yes, I'm a good leader because of this, and then tomorrow you are not. So in 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 this process, therefore, we are going to almost take the approach that we took for the HR standards to say we need to do a lot of roadshows and get a lot of uh, into a, lit, a number of leadership forums to make sure that uh, our leaders um, are clear on the standard and. And one, only, not only the leaders will be clear, but they also understand that their followers know what to expect. I mean, I think now, I mean, they will not need SAPPP or anybody else to come and audit and check, but their followers are daily auditing them to say, this is the standard. And yes, our organization is being managed below the standard. Uh, I think, Adrian, if I can come in here as well, uh, we got a lot of very good input on the session on how to go forward. And I think uh, we're still processing that. So I think that wisdom we haven't uh, solidified as yet. But I think what is beautiful about, firstly, the board unfreezing the situation, because we're essentially talking about the change navigation journey here. Um, and, and it's not going to, these standards are not going to, and I don't think it's the intention of the board to turn them into a leadership development program. This is like a catalyst for change. It is a trigger for change. It's like a pebble in a pool that causes waves. Essentially, they would like to, it to turn into a tsunami. And I think at a, if I can comment, I see the board's level, role as unfreezing the situation uh, and, and creating a conducive atmosphere vibe for the standards. Then at an organizational level, for me, the first, it's your typical unfreeze change. And I think you can't refreeze nowadays in, in the uh, dynamic condition, but you create dynamic stability. I think for me, the first step for an organization is to call a leadership uh, a conversation conference, dialogue together, a group together of the leadership and expose them to the standards and the pledge. And then use that as a, a moment of commitment that uh, Sulani talked about as the present leadership, the future to be, to say, what do we need in our organization leadership-wise if we want to be successful? And then kind of out of that generate their own kind of application of the standards and their pledge, and then to compare the SE situation to the to be situation. Maybe some of our leaders are wrong. Maybe some of our leaders don't have skills. Maybe the culture is not right. That you have a whole a leadership uh, initiative 
that is now launched in the organization the way that, that Marius described it with all of the components leading also from the top. And that there's an ongoing tracking monitoring process that at least once a year or quarterly in the initial stages, but thereafter maybe once a year, you assess yourself to the commitments you've made of what leadership uh, must look like. Because what you want to create, Solani has also referred to that, you don't want to create a push situation. I call it the wheelbarrows. You push the leaders to a point through the standards, and next time you turn up, they're exactly at the same spot. You want to create a, a, a pull situation where leaders get so excited uh, and the organization about the standards and the pledge that they pull themselves forward uh, or they get pulled by that into the future on an ongoing basis through an ongoing leadership conversation in the organization. So it is, to summarize it, it is a change navigation journey you're undertaking and committing to. Fascinating. I think maybe Marius is something on the implementation side. And then uh, let's let's just, we've got five or seven, eight minutes left, but I, I want us to, after that, read the pledge so that we can discuss it just for a moment and not have it right at the end. Um, so, Marius, some, some thoughts on the implementation. I mean, do we have a dream that CEOs get up in front of their people, raise their hand and say, I pledge, da, 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 da. You know, is that the kind of dream we have? Or I, obviously we're leaving some space for them to implement it the way they want to. But um, some powerful said, things said by Kolani and, uh, and Theo. Marius? Uh, yes, um what we have done in the session was also to generate an action plan that you facilitated for us. So already there, there were some very practical ideas um, that came from the tables on how um, um, the participant would like to see this being implemented um, at tech companies and also in their economic sectors. Um, but we would really like, as Stine said, um, start a leadership conversation and challenge leadership teams to have those conversations to see how do you really take um, leadership forward. And my challenge to leadership teams would be make leadership your company's priority number one. Yes, you have a product you've, and you have a service, but if you make leadership priority number one, my view is you're going to set you up for success. You will be able to deal with the challenges. There's some very innovative clauses in the standard that's going to challenge you. For instance, under reflection, we've said you must have a reflection partner. Now, many top teams have got executive coaches and things like that. It's a very powerful tool to utilize. But what we say, and we almost want to say to leader, if you say you're lonely at the top, it's your own fault. You should not be lonely at the top. It, you, then you're not engaging with your people. You're not engaging with the people who can help you to be effective. And leaders must support one another. Um, and I think that's the whole spirit of the standards, to be able to say we are all leaders. We need more leaders as well. We need to multiply leaders. We need to grow the leaders. And not forget about the youth. I mean, a 20-year-old leaving from university, he is a potential future leader. What are we doing um, about that as well? And then my biggest challenge, and I think this is the, one of the areas that's going to challenge some companies is the very first clause in the standard says you must you as a leader and your team you must be an active citizen now that is that's a profound statement because what this means is you cannot only say we only a mine our goal is to get the, the gold out of the ground you need to be able to say there's a community around there there's an environment around there there are schools around that are underperforming you need to get your hands dirty and say as an active citizen um, as a leader and organization, we need to make a difference to the broader, bigger picture to create a better world for all of us to live in, for the next generation to take these things forward. Okay. Powerful implementation ideas, and I'm sure there's much more. And as someone said earlier, it's a journey. It's not an, a destination. Theo, read that pledge for us so that we can wrap up around that for the last few minutes. I think uh, just before I get into the pledge, Adrian and, and colleagues here, I think there's a very important uh, departure point for this pledge. It says that leadership, if I can put it this way, is a verb. It's not a noun. It's not my status, my position. You must deliberately commit yourself, can I call it, to the profession, to the calling of leadership. And this is what the pledge is all about. And uh, I want us to visualize as I read the pledge that I'm standing here as a leader and this is what I'm pledging to. So my leadership pledge in my calling as a leader and in my aspiration to be an outstanding leader, I commit myself to the leadership standard with the following actions. First, to challenge the status quo with courage perseverance and resilience in the relentless search of a better future for all 
including addressing socio-economic challenges. Two, to create and pursue an inspiring, inclusive and shared vision slash dream that will leave a worthy, lasting legacy for current and future generations. Three, to serve others and the common good unselfishly through a we agenda, even if personal sacrifices are required of me. Four, to live our values with unwavering integrity at all times and to be ethical in all I do by being good, doing good, and ensuring good. Five, in demonstrating genuine authenticity to lead by example, my talking and walking being the same under all circumstances. Six, to take personal accountability for all my decisions, actions and their consequences, and also of those that I am leading. Seven, to treat those I lead with respect, dignity, fairness and care, and create deep trusting relationships with them around a shared destiny. Eight, to enable and empower those I'm leading to courageous, to be courageous, challenging followers, filled with passion, hope, confidence and faith. Nine, to be visible and present where it truly matters and to ensure that real value is being added. Ten, to reflect on my leadership and to continuously develop myself as a leader and to support other leaders and my people in their development and our performance. Here I stand and I pledge myself to the, the above. Mm, okay, so, so that's powerful stuff. Ten points at least. And here and there I could see them touching on the five standards in the standards document. Is that right? So, so is the standards document, that's a standard, the broad standard that I need to live as a leader. And then the pledge is, is, is uh, um, me committing to those standards uh, in, in very practical ways, actually. Maurice? Yes, absolutely. Because what we say, in essence, about two things: it, it's it's about commitment, and the pledge is the commitment. Um, and to do that, perhaps in front of your team um, or whole leadership team together, I think will send a very positive um, signal to the organisation and your stakeholders how serious um, you are. And secondly, the standard for me is is the doing, the actions I need to take to make this thing happen. I mean, it does not help me to say I commit to to being ethical. And, and then when I implement practices that are contrary to that, um, then sh- surely that, that trust that we spoke about is not going to happen in the organization. So the beliefs and th- those actions, I think it's key that we get those ones together. And then measure ourselves. If we say we've, we've started this process, let's say we start in January on this process, by December next year, surely we want to be once again look back and say, have we achieved as far as our leadership goes? Did we perhaps make the mistake with clause number seven as far as the pledge? Um, because it's almost like an oath. You you do an oath and then you break your oath. I mean, surely that is is negative and will cause further um, distrust as you as you move on. Okay, excellent. Gents, uh, can, um, can I perhaps just make a point here, Adrian? Um, mm-hmm. I think it's not only about current leadership. It's Shalani made the point. Shalani made the point about the future leadership, the young leaders. Imagine that they commit themselves. It's at the selection point when you recruit leaders that they commit themselves. I think it's at your business schools where we train up the leaders of the future that they also commit to itself. So we must look at, can I call it the total pipeline of leadership? The young ones, the ones entering the market, the ones entering an organization and the current leadership to commit to this pledge. Uh-huh. Yeah, I see this um, being promoted in universities for the, the future pipeline, that sort of thing. Um, maybe, Polani, your final comment to leaders out there, 20, 30 seconds. And then, Marius, uh, you end off if we can take that as Theo's parting comment. Our time is almost up. Just quick comment, and then uh, and then we'll end off. Okay, I think the, the most important thing is um, it's it's very easy for the corridor talk to blame the government, to blame the economy, to blame anything else. But uh, I believe every leader has something that they can add up, uh, add into the community so that things can be better. So my say will be uh, brighten your corner where you are. In other words, um, do your honest part right in that small factory. And if can you imagine if thousand if that is replicated by thousands and thousands of people, our country and our land will be a better place. Thank you so much, Marius. My goal with all of this would be to be able to say leadership must become the norm and not the exception. 
And I think that's the problem we currently have is we've got pockets of excellence everywhere, but leadership is not the norm. My dream with all of this is that leadership must become the norm. We have a fantastic country, but we're underperforming in so many areas because of a lack of leadership. So if we get this right and leadership becoming the norm, then I'm absolutely convinced we will be the best place in our world. I, I think my, my final s- comment, Adrian, yeah. is just uh, I want to build on, on what has been said. We need, we've got a leadership crisis. We need a leadership miracle. And this, the standards and the pledge, is a way of triggering that and making that miracle happen. Thank you so much. Let's make uh, good, authentic, um, high standard leadership the norm and not the exception. We, we do we do look at our exceptions at the moment. We need the norm. I, I, I like that. Thank you for everything you, you gentlemen have said. Marius Mayer, CEO of SABPP, and Polani Mawande, the COO there. Wonderful comments by all of you and Professor Theo Feltzman. Let's, let's take this uh, standards document and pledge out there and and it would be interesting to see a year from now how many organizations have in some way, shape, or form started implementing it so that we can get it out there. I, I certainly have some ideas. Thank you for joining me all the way from the bush. I'll leave you out there in Gauteng then um, and see if the wild dogs are still at the river. And uh, all the best. Marius, when all is said and done, where can people get this document? I think you will want this on every website. You want it everywhere. You don't want to hog it yourself. But still, as a base, where can people go to find it? Um Absolutely. Um, it will be distributed widely. You're welcome to download it from our website, sabpp.co.za. Um, you can also um, follow it um, on, on Twitter. The leadership standard is the hashtag, so hashtag leadership standard. And if you just Google leadership standard, you will definitely get it. Because um, ultimately, we started the conversation. We want to, to have it available as widely as possible. And I know it trended a few times. Excellent. Thank you so much, Maurice. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And please join us every single Monday, 12 to 1, for our Leadership Masterclass. Cheers. This is CliffCentral.com.